Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start when it comes to volunteer training? Don't have the time to record training videos? The brand new version of Ministry Grid has already done the work for you with over 750 courses for you to choose from. To help you get started right away, they even have created training pathways which provide volunteer, leader, director, and staff level training modules for each specific ministry area. Whether you're looking to train volunteers, teachers, or other leaders, you can use these pathways to equip all individuals within your church. With Ministry Grid, you can customize any training that you would like and add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and other content that you would like. And all this can be done right from your phone. Ministry Grid has been completely rebuilt to be made for mobile and train on the go. Now you can truly train anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Get started today at ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church pastors by established church pastors. My name is Josh King. I'm a pastor here in the Dallas area and so glad that you are listening in on the podcast today. I am, I am thrilled. I'm honored, humbled all the time when we get some sort of Twitter message or Facebook message or somebody saying, you know, I was driving from here to there. I listen to you every week. That sort of thing. We're really honored by that. Today, I am joined by a couple of friends of mine, which will kind of We'll kind of break down a little bit more about why they're on the show. But first of all, I've got uh, no stranger to EST. It's Andrew Bear. How are you doing today, Andrew? Hey, Josh. Good to be with you. Good. Hey, in just a second, we're going to talk about the topic of kind of like pastoral friendships and relationships and stuff like that. So to lead into that, how old are you and how long have you been at the church you're at? I'm 31. I've been at Paramount Baptist Church in Amarillo, Texas for 15 months now. All right short term there, but I feel um, 65 on the inside though. <laughs> yeah. I always joke around. I mean, people who are real close to me would know this, that I'm actually a very old Mexican man on the inside and people don't, <laughs> it's just, it makes more sense if I was like a 70 year old Mexican man, the way I am and the way I talk. Oh, gosh. My other co-host or co-conversationist today is Michael Kreiner. Michael, how's it going? It's going very well. I don't know. I think this is the first time for you to be on EST, right? Uh, yeah, it's the first time. What an honor. You get a badge. So it'll come in the mail. Look for it. Uh, Michael, Twitter how old are you? In? Huh? It's a Twitter badge. It? Twitter badge? It's a Twitter badge. You get a little blue sticker. Uh, it's really important. It really conveys worth um, if you got that little blue check mark. So you, um, how old are you and how long have you been at the church you're at? I'm 36. I've been at First Baptist Church of Belleville for five and a half years. It'll be six years in August. All right. And of course, if you've listened to EST for any amount of time, I'm 35. I've been here for seven years and we're all Texas pastors, but we are really, really spread out. I don't even, I can't even imagine. How far is Amarillo to Dallas? Six hours. And do does anybody know where Belleville is? It's, <laughs> it's, no, it's down, right? <laughs> it's west of Houston. So it's, yeah, so that would be five or six hours from me. Yes. How far are you to Amarillo? Do you know? 
too far. A plane flight. Probably, probably eight hours, I'd guess. Maybe nine. Eight, eight to yeah, twelve. Yeah. And yet <laughs> depends on whether kids are in the car or not. That's right. Somebody has to pee every two minutes. Yeah. So we are talking about the topic. I think a lot of pastors deal with this, regardless of your denomination, regardless of your background, but it's the idea of making relationships that are other you know, that are other pastors. And um the the reason for that, Andrew, you kind of brought Michael, myself, and another guy together, and we've been meeting. We've gone through two meetings so far. We kind of talked nonchalant. Why did you why why even do that? Why bring a couple of people together and meet virtually? Well, uh, Josh, I've been friends with you for a long time, and I've been f- friends with Michael for a long time individually. And we each have our own conversations about ministry and life and just what we're going through. And I, I thought, why not do this all together and bring multiple friends together where we can have these same conversations and just create mm-hmm. a, you know, a band of brothers. And I think biblically, there's precedent for that. Um, you certainly see it with like David and, and David's mighty men. And you see it with Jesus and his 12 disciples. But then he had a, a closer group of three that were just uh, compadres. You know, they were friends. They were close. They could share life together. And so I've got a mentor who said it's really important in ministry to have what he called safe friends. And these are mm-hmm. guys that you can, you know, I think it's pretty important, actually, that they're not in your church. They're outside of the context of where you're serving that are just safe. You can just tell them what's going on. You can share you know, what's really going on in your life and what, what your heart is dealing with and struggling with guys you can cuss to, you know, and I think that's really important. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I think there's a great value in having a, a small group of guys that you just trust and can, can share life with. Yeah. Because this is hard. This is a really hard deal. But and Michael, do you got like, do you got a local version of this? Do you got, do you hang out with anybody? I'm just curious. I don't. Yeah. Well, so I'm if right we, here. Yeah, to answer your question, you know, in our local area, there's like a Methodist, a Lutheran, a Catholic, you know, it's like your stereotypical small town USA. And the other Baptist church is a split from our church 20 years ago. Ah. And so what was the split over? Uh, uh, poor leadership in our church. Oh, uh, a pastor mm. had made a mistake and how the church handled it caused a group to say, well, we'll go do it different. And, uh, are they, um, are they called friendless friendship Baptist or <laughs> true way Baptist or something cool like that? Yeah, full, full Baptist. Uh, no, I always love how the, I always love how the church split is named friendly Baptist. <laughs> I'm like, doesn't seem right, but maybe I don't, I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm just think that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So as far as an expression like of this, no, not, not local. Uh, it's happening for me virtually, uh, with, other pastors or even guys in other segments, but involved in like Christian academic uh, world. And so, uh, for me, our, like even our association, everything that happens within our Baptist association is an over an hour away. Uh, so it, it makes it a challenge. However, that being said, uh, even in the last year, I, I've, we've gotten really close with our staff. And so mm. we're friends with our staff. And I know that there's some dangers in that, but uh, there was a book that was recommended called Vital Vital Friendships and uh, by Russ Bartsdale. And he, he was that emphasis of that book is you can be close to people that you work with and that can be a really good thing. And so that's just kind of how we've pursued it. And uh, but then there's other guys, uh, couples locally who are involved in ministry that are in our small group and we're kind of doing life together uh, that way. Yeah. So. 
I mean, when I say I don't really have that, like we don't do the pastor's prayer time or something like that, but there are several pastors I can call and say, Hey, do you want to, you want to grab tacos or something like that? And, and we can hang out. And most of them, it really doesn't feel like any sort of competition. What I don't like is when you get around those groups and it feels like, you know, numbers game and those sort of things. And I think that's why most pastors avoid the formalized versions of this. Mm. At least that's my perspective. We're really, um, in Amarillo, we're kind of in a unique situation. We've got a great group of pastors and I've been just, I'm still new to town, fairly new, but I've felt very welcomed by these guys. And with a couple of them have, have developed really good relationships with a lot of trust in a short period of time. So I have that smaller group as well. And I, I found that I think what undermines that local relationship with other pastors is lack of trust. And one mm. of the things that, that, um, I've done here and I did it in my previous ministry context as well. And other pastors in the same community did it as well. That engendered trust was when, like when we would have members leave our church and go to another church or vice versa, the pastors would have a conversation about that. And so in fact, I met with a guy last week, we've got someone coming from his church to our church visiting our church right now. So I called him and just let him know that and just said, Hey, we are not trying to steal church members. So can we grab coffee? I'd like to talk about this. And so we did and had a, a two hour long conversation. It was really great, but that's the kind of thing that builds trust. And I think allows friendship to happen with local pastors. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's just helping each other. One of the, I get along with a lot of church plants here. There's about four or five church plants that I hang out with the majority of the time because we've really gone out of our way to show them where we, we help, we want you to be here. We, and so you know, for instance, there's a couple of them parking their trailers on our property here because, of course, we don't charge for that. One of them was paying a couple hundred at a local storage unit. So there's what I'm I think what I'm trying to get at here is not only what you did, Andrew, with this kind of relationship, but even the local relationships is one of the reasons this doesn't happen is because nobody is just intentional about it. You're going to mm. have to kind of man up and say, Hey, I, I would like for you to be my friend, which is not normal, <laughs> right? But I think guys are hungry for that, honestly. I mean, I think all yeah. of us, we're all serving in different um, contexts and we're all, we have our own struggles and there's a loneliness to uh, ministry yeah. that's just kind of inherent in the role that we have as pastors. And I think most guys I've talked to are just hungry for that friendship and relationship. So it is, yeah, it is kind of awkward to be like, will you be my friend? But <laughs> I think no. guys respond well to it. And I think eating together is so important, having coffee together. I've oh, had yeah. two two of our local guys I've had fill the pulpit when I've when I've uh been out of town. That's been really yeah. good. And um huh. just to show like, hey, this is uh, uh, if a member comes over from another church to our church, I want them to leave on good terms because you might see your pastor in our pulpit here one day. And I don't want that to be <laughs> awkward. You know, I want people in my church to know like I'm friends with other pastors in town. We pray for a different yeah. church every week as well. Oh, that's cool. So what if if you get together with other what do you guys talk about with the other pastors if it's not like, hey, uh, we just built a bigger building than you? What do you talk <laughs> about other than that? That seems to be what the conversation is sometimes. I, I think in my con I don't well, care. I'm sorry, okay. I'll I'll jump in. I, I think in my yeah, in my context, like even on Saturday night, uh, you'll love this, Josh and Andrew, but we had our Lions Den, which is a Lions club or whatever that I'm part of. And where we wear the RA vest and we roar after the Pledge of Allegiance. But um, that – Sorry, the wait. Bank, I have no clue what you're talking about. Okay. I'm, I'm that just sounds very weird. Mind. Yeah. Uh, it's a <laughs> – We need to talk more offline about this. I, I want to know okay, more about okay, this. Okay, okay, 
Yeah, like is this in the little chart of denominations? Is this one over by the Mormons, or is this closer to evangelical? It's it's a kissing cousin of evangelicals, I would assume. Uh, Okay, there are there are like three Baptists in this group, and there's like a ton of other denominations, but it's not a Christian organization. It's just a charitable organization. Uh, Well, all all I heard is that you roar after the pledge and kiss your cousin. Gosh. Do I need, is this where I hang what around? Talking about? I, I don't remember what we were talking about. I don't know. He's doing something on Sunday nights. So yes. what do you do no, on Sunday so, night? Well, on Saturday night, we had a banquet. Oh. And we, my wife and I, sat with a couple from the Lutheran church. And we used that time, not that we were trying to be strategic with it, but just to listen with empathy and share with them similar struggles uh, in our community. Mm-hmm. Not that we were bashing our church. We weren't. We were celebrating each one of our differences and uniqueness in our churches and how we do things and how we structure things. Yet we're dealing with, in reality, the same types of people in our community. And so it was really refreshing. There was no competition. There was no, well, we're doing this. Why aren't you doing this? And we're better than you or they're better than us. It was never that hint of that. It was simply sharing a meal together and listening uh, and investing some time. I think that's one of the hardest things in a, in our community, at least, is that, uh, like friendships and even deep friendships, they're not accidental. They have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And I have to make the choice to go be somebody else's friend because it's not going to happen instant. There's no cure egg when it comes to, uh, there's no cure when it comes to friendships. It's, mm-hmm. it's a slow roast. It's a pour over method, right? And it's always going to taste better. I don't mean to get all, coffee talk but the the point Man, is you that, went down that rabbit trail real hard that's real cool. hard <laughs> so i i say that to, <laughs> that in this in this moment that's what we talked about is just to listen about similar struggles and you begin to realize that you're much more alike than you are different in in the things you're walking through with your churches yeah i just really like asking questions so i like showing up at other churches and saying i instead of turning it into a brag moment where you know you you and I think there's sometimes there's temptation in that where you go and you're like, oh, show me your new building. I like to go and celebrate their new building and we'll take the whole staff over to their new building. Or I see that you guys started this campaign online. Tell me how you walked through that. And I want to learn more about that because you can really learn from different sides. And when you take that posture of learning and asking mm-hmm. questions, then it really kind of, I think, diffuses the whole like we're in some sort of competition. Like, let's yeah, just like, hang out and, and help each other. I agree with that. I like to ask, um, what's, what are you most excited about right now? Yeah. And what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? Like the, that gets at a lot of things without asking, you know, um, what's going wrong or how many are you running or any of those types of qu- questions that we all hate. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing I avoid is I don't answer any questions about other churches. So sometimes you can get in these settings and they're like, um, well, did you see what's going on at such and such or such and such church? And I'll always say, yeah, I saw that. And if, even if I know the information, I don't, I don't respond, you know, well, what do you think they, what do you think that cost? I don't have any idea. You should, you should ask them, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure they figured it out. And another thing that I try to make a discipline, I'm not always really great at this, but try to make a discipline of is always publicly saying things, even if they're in, you know, one-on-one say things like, uh, man, I really respect those guys over there or they're really smart. That team that they've got leading, that's really smart and they figure things yeah. out. So 
You know, if you say that, that diffuses, I think. And then, and the only reason I say that is because if you diffuse the situation, then there's like this friendship on the other side of it and let it get past that and be okay. And then, and then you can kind of hang out and trust each other a little bit more. So what are the, what are the things that you think? I'm curious, what do you guys think keeps pastors from creating these sort of relationships? What do you think stands in the way most of all for most people? Hmm. Well, I'll, I, I think we become envious. I think mm-hmm. we become jealous. Therefore, we become critical. We become resentful. And then we're competitive. <laughs> and we all think, oh, well, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to serve the Lord. and want this thing to grow. And I think it was Louis one time said, Louis Giglio, who, who just one time said, would you be okay if the Lord answered your prayer for a revival, but he did it at the church down the road? <laughs> That's really and, interesting. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that we, instead of celebrating the wins of another church and sharing our own losses, we'll celebrate their losses and, and we'll, we'll share our wins. And we, we should be celebrating the wins of other churches of, like what you said, Josh, of, man, I'm really, really respect what they're doing there and how they're growing and how they're working and how God's moving. And, and it's the same way that, uh, Colossians 4, 2 discusses of, uh, that we're to devote ourselves to prayer and be watchful with thanksgiving. You know, thanksgiving is like the leaven in bread that helps it rise. It helps mm-hmm. our prayers uh, become effective because we're grateful, uh, to God rather than self-centered and, and conceited and, and jealous. And so, at least for us, we want to celebrate, you know, what, what this church in our community is doing and praise God for it and their impact. So I think yeah. one thing that keeps us from that is, is that, that envious, being envious and jealous and critical and resentful and, and competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that completely. And I think if we just had a kingdom mindset, that would help, you know, which is a win for a redeemer. Uh, which is a, a friend of mine, pastor's redeemer here in Amarillo down the road. Like a win for them is a win for us. It's a win for the kingdom and a win for them does not equal a loss for us. And so I think if right. we can just celebrate each other's wins and view it as a win for the kingdom and, and really champion each other, that will help. Josh, let me ask you this. What about friendships within the church? How do you handle that? Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Do you have to walk that line with caution? Do you you have close friends in the church or are you more guarded? Just tell us kind of what your experience is there. I I think it's a good idea. I'll just go ahead and I never really was that sort of person that thought that was a bad idea. I think it's a good idea. I think that you do have to be careful, not because you need to, you know, so much guard your heart. You're a shepherd. So rushing in and um, I don't know if you were to cry in front of a, a sheep that is hurt. That's not bad. And so um, exposing yourself to maybe some injury is just part of the job. I think the part that you need to be a little bit on guard against is it goes back to men in particular have an ability to speak, um, speak things into place. And so I, I, I don't know exactly the right wording I'm trying to say here, which is odd for what I'm trying to say. But if you if you tell a child you're 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 a good person and I think you I think you're doing a good job at that or if you tell a young person you know you're you're attractive or you're smart or you're strong we we can speak those things into their into their uh, belief system where they start to they have a strength to that well I think that's expounded as pastors for whatever reason the three of us and I think this is a good thing for why we need friendships outside of it if I tell you, if I'm having a bad day with a bear, that doesn't really devastate your life. 
But if the pastor is snippy or is, is cutting towards a member, it hurts them at a deeper level. It, it weighs heavier on them. So I think when you're friends with people, you've got, you, you want to get to a place where they understand. And I think that's being raw and vulnerable, but be extremely careful that you don't hurt because you're just saying something off the cuff that your wife would roll her eyes at that. Your, your best preacher friends would just kind of like, well, you know, he had a hard Sunday, but to them, I mean, it's everything. And I'll give you an example. I've seen this happen a couple of times. This volunteer is working on some sort of ministry and they're doing a great job. And you're kind of, you're kind of close with them and stuff like this. And they're doing a great job. They're doing it all by themselves. And, and they, they have 25 people show up to the event that they did. And you say something like, man, I was really expecting 30. And it just crushes them because they think that the 25 wasn't good. And in reality, it was fine. And if you said that to me, uh, Michael, you said, you know, yeah. I was expecting 30 at this event, but we only had 25. I wouldn't so much think bad of you. And I wouldn't think bad. And I wouldn't think anything bad of your volunteer. I'd in fact say, man, that's really cool. Your volunteer got 25. But of course, you want to expand that reach to them. It hurts. It's like, yeah. oh, I didn't do anything good there. And so sometimes when you when you feel those struggles, when when you because this is this is not only your church, it's your job. And when that job part comes out, I think it hurts on a deeper level. And just got to be mindful of that. But definitely, yeah, expose in your home. Show where you're scared. Show where you're happy. You know, those mm. sort of things. And just kind of uh, make friendships in the same normal way. That's good. That's really what do good. y'all think about forced relationships? I think sometimes one of the things that, I, you know, there are other ministers that I'm just not going to jive well with. And maybe it's because of a completely different look on, I don't know, like grace or salvation or even just what we're here to do. Or, you know, perhaps somebody is overly political in a way that I don't agree with. I how do y'all feel about having relationships? How, how do you navigate those? Because you're just both ministers, you're supposed to be besties. Are you talking about with people within the church or with other pastors? I'm talking about other pastors. How other do you pastors. do it when, particularly? I mean, like here, I'll give you a, a, an illustration. I'm at a First Baptist church. First Baptist church down the road is different. They think differently. They do different things. And sometimes the perspective out in the community or the perception out in the community is that pastor and I are, we're, we're the same. We're and and yeah. sometimes you want to kind of draw that distinction between, no, we're not, we're a lot different, but I mean, how do you not only with the person, but community wise, those sort of relationships, how does that affect you? I'm trying to think of a pastor that I haven't gotten along with. I'm just thinking back through a few of my, the, the churches that I've served and I can't, mm-hmm. there's not anybody that just comes immediately to mind that I didn't have at least a friendly relationship with. I would think hypothetically speaking, if there was somebody that I just didn't jive with, whether it was personality or just, you know, really divergent philosophies of ministry or something like that, I would still want to be cordial, you know, and respectful, but that doesn't, I would not feel compelled to, to be close with them. So cordial, respectful, but not necessarily close. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think back on there. You know, there's been pastors in our community here since I've been here and, and they've since left. And I go, man, we are we are on two totally different lanes as far as theology and Christian worldview and biblical worldview. And, and, and in addition, they're at a different denomination. 
and that has another layer of 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 awkwardness or potential awkwardness but i i i've been able to work through that and work with them and still celebrate the things that we can celebrate but also know that hey we're not going to do communion together and that's okay uh, mm-hmm. but we can still meet together and talk and because we're we're invested in the same community however when i think about like what you're describing josh of of the first baptist down the road i guess in my context that hasn't been uh a dividing point or a necessary dividing point we just we just haven't interacted mm-hmm. uh so i i think the key is to is to try to get the the 30,000 foot view and say well we're we're still after the same kingdom we are just taking two different completely different paths as far as how to accomplish the kingdom mm-hmm. uh the kingdom focus so I mean, like, so let me clarify. I like all the pastors in our area. I really do. And the longer that I'm a lead pastor, the more I respect anybody in any sort of leadership position, because mm. I don't care if it's a president. I don't care if it's a pastor from another church or a pastor of a mega church in Houston or South Carolina or something like that. You don't until you're in that seat, you have no idea all of the factors that that person or individual has to make when they're making a decision. So I have immense respect for other leaders and, and speak. And, you know, like I, I try very hard not to critique other preaching because preaching is stinking hard. It's really hard. All the internal noise and the external and being judged every week. You're giving an oral exam every single week on, you know, the greatest book of the Bible. So um, that's something that I try not to judge, but there are times where there's a clear distinction where it almost feels like, like you said, we're not going to do communion together. And when I've been pushed into those settings where somebody says, so what do you think about pastor so-and-so down the road? And it's somebody I'm thinking in my mind, I wouldn't want my kids to join that church. But what I, the way I usually communicate it is, Hey, we're on the same team. We just play different positions. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I really, you know, I'm over here with third base and I'm, I'm working on that kind of stuff. And, and he's kind of over, you know, he's in the pitchers circle. And so I really don't know kind of what they do over there and that sort of stuff. Just drawing that distinction, but I think like what you said there, just making sure that people realize we're working toward the same goal. Now, that doesn't always, when it's outside of evangelicalism, there's times where we're not the same. And, and I'll, I'll make that distinct, mm-hmm. but that's usually only after I've had a conversation with that. Uh, yeah. I think the International Mission Board, I know not all of the listeners to EST are Southern Baptists, but um, I pastor a Southern Baptist church and our International Mission Board, um, if memory serves correctly, a few years ago, they put out a little pamphlet that kind of provided some structure and guidance for how how we could determine who to cooperate with or what level to cooperate with them. And I thought that was really helpful that they showed that there were kind of different levels of friendship, different levels of cooperation. Um, you know, at the church planting level, we're going to plant like uh, ch- churches of like faith and practice. Like we're going to mm-hmm. plant churches uh, that believe like we believe on everything, uh, all the major categories. But then there are other things that we can do, even with a Catholic church, for instance, here in town, if it's feeding the homeless or you know, helping out with our schools or something like that, it's not church planting, it's not gospel related. We can still be friendly. We can still even cooperate together with with other groups like that at, at some of those levels. So I think just understanding that there are different levels or layers of friendship and cooperation is a helpful guide for that. Yeah, that's really good. I think the bottom line for me, at least when I'm thinking through it, is when it comes to the relationships that we need and want, there needs to be some intentionality to it. You just you can't just assume it or 
you know, even force it. I think that at some point you really just kind of say, you have to say like, like I'm intentionally a friend of yours and I'm committed to you in whatever way you say that. Some people are nonverbal, some people are, but I'm going to pray for you, encourage you and, and those sort of things. And then on the other level, just understanding not everybody is going to be your friend. And I think we struggle with that sometimes where all the other pastors in our area, you know, we're supposed to be like getting along super well and not everybody's going to be your friend. And that's true in all of life. Not everybody mm-hmm. in your church is going to be friendly, friendly, right? They're, but yeah. your pastor, they're sheep and, and um, some of them are friends. Some of them are co-ministers and co-pastors and things like that. But there just needs to be some intentionality, I think, which we don't do. And some acceptance that ain't everybody going to like you. So that's, and that's okay. That really is not yeah. that bad. Yeah. So, well, good. Well, I'm glad you guys are my friends and um, <laughs> have, a, have a couple of friends. And, and so um, I'm, I just want to encourage everybody who's listening to kind of be intentional about that and reach out to somebody and say, look, we, this is not done. Um, it's done best together. We're, you're, we're reading a book right now that Abir's got Michael and I and another friend of ours reading called replenish. And one of the things that really struck me was, um, I forget what chapter, maybe chapter 20 or something like that. They, he's talking about these levels of relationships you have, like say the crowd, the, the big crowd, like your church. And then it gets smaller, like your small group. And then it gets even smaller, like, uh, your family. And then you've got the intimate relationships, like with your spouse. What I found so interesting about that was on the level of friend, friends, we're missing something there. Whereas in all of our other relationships, there is a intentional exchange. For instance, I was hired at this church. It was an intentional thing by them and by me. I went into a small group and I kept coming into the small group and they're there and we're together. There's an intentional them and me with your, with your wife or your husband, whoever's listening there was a proposal. There was an exchange of a gift. There was vows. There was all of that that happened. There was an intentionality. But then with the part that we really need, like the friendships in this ministering, pastoring thing, there's never any sort of intentionality or a verbal sort of thing that says, hey, let's do this together. Let's work on this together. I just think that's so awkward, but so needed. Mm. Final thoughts from you guys? Uh, thank you for talking me off the ledge a lot of times. <laughs> well, that's good. When we're both sitting there, it's good. To, uh, <laughs> we're either going to jump off together or we're both going to climb back to safety. Which would just be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Michael, how if people want to connect with you more, let's say they're down there in the Houston vicinity, they want to connect with you more, how can they do that? Yeah, you can find me on social media. My name, Michael Kreiner, uh, all, all my social media stuff. Uh, Belleville is here's, here's why you would want to come see me. We are, we are about 15 minutes from where Bluebell is made. Amen. So Word. if you, Word. if you say, I want some, I want some ice cream that, that is in God's country, we're just south <laughs> of that. So, uh, that's, that's how you could connect. That's one, that's one easy way. Fantastic. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, you can connect with me on social media. My uh, Twitter handle is Andrew Abert. That's H E B E R T eighty six. Uh, and if you're ever out in West Texas, we'd love to have you worship with us. Our our church website's Paramount dot org, and would love to see you on a Sunday. Very cool. Glad you guys are on the show. And as always, thank you for listening to EST. We'll catch you next week. Peace. 
You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the Word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.